Justin Shears and welcome to Only a Northern Song. In this series, I'll be exploring the words and the music of the Beatles, but not through the usual tracks that we all know so well. I'll be delving into my extensive collection of outtakes, home recordings and demos, alternate mixes and interviews, to shed some new light on lesser known aspects of the Beatles' recorded legacy. It's a well-known truth that everything old is new again, and we've all heard musical styles come and go and come again over the decades, usually in 20-year cycles. All music can be traced back through time to its ancestors, some more ancient than others. Rock and roll is no different. The swaggering love child of jazz, swing, hillbilly, rockabilly, country and western, rhythm, and of course, the blues. Ask any musician from the 1960s and they will tell you that alongside Elvis, Little Richard and Buddy Holly, live artists such as Robert Johnson, Muddy Waters and Big Bill Brunsey. Delta or Chicago simply didn't matter on either side of the Atlantic. British players were not immune to the blues bug. From the Rolling Stones to the Yardbirds, John Mayle to Eric Clapton, Cream to Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, British blues was on the rise, and the Beatles knew it. While the early Fab Four were probably more influenced by the rhythm and blues of Chuck Berry and Arthur Alexander, their musical heritage was broad. After their visit to Rishikesh in February 1968, the blues were also added to their catalogue of musical styles. You know, songs of such pain as your blues, which I meant. It wasn't just me, right? You know, I was trying to express it in blues idiom because I was right in Maharishi's camp, writing, I, I want to die, you know. Um, your blues, was that, was that also deliberately meant to be a parody of the uh, English blues? No, well, a bit, because I'm a bit, we we're always self conscious, and Beatles, super self conscious people, about uh, parodying Americans which we do and have done. I know we developed our own style, but we still, in a way, parody American music. And uh, this is interesting because in the early days in, in England, all the groups were like Elvis and, and the backing group. And the Beatles deliberately didn't move like Elvis. That was our policy because we, we found it stupid and bullshit, you know. So there's a self-consciousness about suddenly singing blues. I mean, we were all listening to uh, Sleepy John Estes and all that in art school, like everybody else, you know. But to sing it was something else, you know. And so I was self-conscious about doing it. So I just, I think Dylan does it a lot, you know. In, in case he's not sure of himself, he makes it double entendre. So it's, therefore you're securing your hipness. But George was saying, don't call, or Paul, no, Paul was saying, don't call it Year Blues, just say it straight, you know. But I was self-conscious and I went for the Year Blues, you know. But I think all that is past now because I think the musicians, have, we've all got over it, you know.
The May 1968 Isha demo of Year Blues, John's comment on the rising tide of British blues artists in the local market. On the 13th of August 1968, having recorded and basically completed a remake of Sexy Sadie, the Beatles made the unusual decision to relocate to Room 2A, a tiny room adjacent to the Studio 2 control room. During George's vocal overdub onto Not Guilty, which had taken place in the control room itself instead of on the studio floor, 
engineer Ken Scott jokingly asked John what was next. Recording in there? Pointing to the small annex next to the control room. This idea had clearly stuck with John, as Ringo recalls. And then we did Yeah Blues in a, a room about eight foot square. And we were like this rock band again. So and so you... we started playing more like a band after the downtime we had on Pepper, you know, putting orchestras on and trumpet players. Perhaps wanting to recreate the raucous sessions at the tiny cavern club in their prefab days, all four Beatles squeezed into the room which had once housed just a couple of tape machines and some storage boxes and played their traditional lineup of drums, bass and two guitars. No vocal mics were used. Instead, John opting for a guide vocal which was simply picked up by the mics pointed at drums and amplifiers. The results of this unorthodox approach speak for themselves. Music to me has always been sort of a mirror you know, of the culture, of the society, and you know, the big insurgents now of blues yeah. and everything. And, um, you know, I noticed, you know, your music is mirrored, you know, a different perspective yeah. Yeah. still. You know, you haven't gone into that as John Mayall and, and you know, other people. Yeah. What do you think uh, um, the music, uh, in more or less in what direction will we be mirroring, you know, in well, the this, next few years? The new this new album of ours is uh, really generally with the exception of uh, soft, sweet songs, uh, generally I've got a bit heavier, mm -hmm. much heavier. The thing is that, I mean, we never got into like that purest thing like John Mayle and, you know, that, I mean, that's what one thing I don't entirely agree with. Well, not for us anyway, you know, I think mm -hmm. I like so much different music. I wouldn't like to just get hung up doing one thing like the blues and then that's it for the rest of your life playing 12 bar. But this new album you know, has got much heavier and there's, there is a blues track on it actually. Oh really? Called Your Blues. <laughs> and which is quite bluesy. I don't know how the purest blues people are going to take it but you know it's still as valid as any other blues. Mm -hmm. Yeah what is blues? Yeah. Really? I'm so lonely want to die. Uh -huh. So lonely, you want to die, mm -hmm. dying dead already. Woo, you know the reason why. <laughs> Something like that, really. Yeah. T Bone Lennon <laughs> and BB Harrison.
Take five of the backing track for Year Blues. 14 takes in all were attempted, with take six being chosen as best, and with the four track tape now full, reduction mixes were made, called takes 15 and 16. Then, in a very unusual move, the beginning of take six was copied across a second time, and in a first for the Beatles, the four track master tape itself was cut and the beginning of the song was edited onto the end at around the 3 minute 17 mark, thus creating an instrumental fade out for the track. This edit stood out like the proverbial sore thumb, and George Martin would later refer to this as the worst edit of his entire career. The next day, Lennon's vocals were added, and save for Ringo's counting, which was edited onto the front of the song much later, the track was complete. On the 14th of August, another of John's songs would become the latest track to be recorded for inclusion on the new LP, and it was, well, unusual to say the least. Despite sounding like a random off-the-cuff improvisation, What's the New Mary Jane had been written and demoed at George's house in Isha back in May. 
The lyrics feature a repeated line which may well have been drawn from A.A. Milne's poem, Rice Pudding. What is the matter with Mary Jane? She's perfectly well, and she hasn't a pain. Of course, John would not have missed the double meaning of the term Mary Jane when writing the song. Year Blues had been completed, John took up his position behind the piano, and George donned his acoustic guitar to record the basic tracks for John's latest offering. One, two, three, one, two. As an African queen She eating twelve chapatis and cream She tastes as Mongolian lamb She coming from Aldebaran What a shame Mary Jane had a pain at the party what a shame, Mary Jane, what a shame, Mary Jane had a pain at the party. She liked to be married with Yeti. He grooving such cookie spaghetti. She jumping as Mexican bean to make that her body more thin. What a shame, Mary Jane had a pain at the party. What a shame, Mary Jane, what a shame, Mary Jane had the pain at the party. She catch Patagonian pancakes with that one and gin party mate. She having all the ways good contacts. She making with apple and contract. What's a shame, Mary Jane had a pain at the party. What a shame, Mary Jane, what a shame, Mary Jane had the pain of the party. Should we hear that back? <laughs> this is take two. She catch Patagonian pancakes with that one Nanjin party mate. She having all the ways good contacts She making with apple and contract What's a shame Mary Jane had a pain at the party What a shame Mary Jane, what a shame Mary Jane had a pain at the party Takes one and two of What's the New Mary Jane Take four was considered best and treated to an eclectic range of overdubs from instruments gathered from the cupboard under the stairs, including handbell, cowbell, triangle, xylophone, vibraphone, accordion, rattles, slide whistle and ripping paper. Backing vocals from John and Yoko, distorted and with copious amounts of echo applied, were also added. A remix was made and taken away by John. Although a plan was hatched by John in 1969 to release the song with You Know My Name, Look Up the Number on the flip side, it never materialised, and the song would need to wait decades to be heard by fans. Listen carefully for John's comment at the very end of the cacophony, which perfectly sums up the mood in number two 
at 4.30 a.m. You mentioned that something about there was very little beetle material lying around. Am I to understand that there are some old beetle things that have never been released somewhere? Uh, the only things I know that exist are a crazy tune that George, me and Yoko cut called What's the New Mary Jane, which is bananas. You know, I mean, it was a fun track, you'd call it. Patties and cream. She tastes as Mongolian lamb. She coming from Aldebaran. What a shame Mary Jane had to paint at the party. What a shame Mary Jane, what a shame Mary Jane had to paint at the party. She liked to be married with Yeti. He grooving such cookie spaghetti She jumping as Mexican bean To make that her body more thin What a shame Mary Jane had a pain at the party What a shame Mary Jane, what a shame Mary Jane had a pain at the party She catch Patagonian pancakes with that one that the gin party makes She having all the ways good contacts She making with apple and contract What a shame Mary Jane had a pain at the party
Let's hear it. <laughs> Before we get taken away. The 15th of August saw Studio 2 return to some sense of normality with the introduction of another of Paul's narrative songs. Rocky Raccoon. Um, I was sitting on the roof in India, uh, just sort of with guitar. John and I were sitting around just playing guitar, and we were with Donovan. And uh, we were just sitting around enjoying ourselves. And I started playing those chord, the chords of Rocky Raccoon, you know, just messing around. And it was, originally it was Rocky Sassoon, Rocky Sassoon. Uh, and then we just started, we started making up the words, you know, the three of us, and started just to write them down. They came very quickly. And eventually I changed it from Sassoon to Raccoon, because it sounded more like a cowie. So there it is, it's just, you know, these kind of things, you can't really talk about how they come, because they just come into your head, you know, they really do. And it's like John writing his books, you know, there's, there's no... I don't know how he does it, and he doesn't know how he does it, but he just writes, he just writes. It's like any writer, you know. There's, I think people who actually do create and write, you, you tend to read in and think, oh, well, now how did he do that? How did... But it actually does flow, just flows from the, into their head, into their hand, and they write it down, you know. And that's what happened with this. There's no, I, I don't know anything about the Appalachian Mountains or cowboys and Indians or anything, but I just made it up, you know. And the doctor came in, stinking of gin, and proceeded to lie on the table. So there you are. I suppose the idea to do the thing with some sort of a, an American Western accent also happened this way, did it just? Oh, well, yeah, that was just that was just a joke, you know. As most of the most of it is. Yeah. 
The May 1968 demo of Rocky Raccoon, a tale of love and loss in the Wild West. To capture the mood of the song, all four Beatles were present on the 15th of August to lay down the basic track. Early takes featured Ringo on drums, Paul on acoustic guitar, John on bass, with George Martin on honky-tonk piano. This left George Harrison to briefly run the session from the producer's chair. After take six, however, it was decided to overdub the honky-tonk piano later, so the two Georges swapped places, with Harrison now on bass and John on harmonica, a relatively fun recording emerged. Rocky Raccoon The Rocky Raccoon He was a fool unto himself And he would not swallow his foolish pride Mind you, coming from a little town in Minnesota It was not the kind of thing that a young guy did When a fellow went and stole his chick away from him now Rocky Raccoon checked into his room Only to find Gideon's Bible Rocky had come equipped with a gun To shoot off the legs of his rival His rival it seems had by stealing the girl of his fancy Her name was McGill And she called herself Lil But everyone knew her as Nancy Now she and her man Who called himself Dan Were in the next room And grinning a grin Said, Danny boy, this is a showdown But Daniel was hot He drew first and shot And Rocky collapsed in the corner Proceeded to lie on the table. He was really sminking God gin. And it did him in in the end. Poor dog. Meantime, back on the table. Yeah. The doctor said, Rock, you met your mat, son. Rock said, It's only a scratch, son. I'll be better soon. Better be better soon, said the doc. Come on, son, 
Gotta get hip, gotta get up, gotta get back to your gun. Gotta go and shoot that Danny boy. However, Rocky Raccoon fell back in his room only to find Gideon's Bible. Gideon checked out and left it no doubt to help with good Rocky's revival. Now Rocky Raccoon got up from his room and he walked out through the swing doors of the local saloon, straight into the arms of someone new, someone who he'd known from a long way back, maybe from a primary school days. A young friend Rocky recognized. He said, "Honey." Will you be my new honey bun? She said, Rocky boy, come on, I'll show you why I love you. Young Rocky Raccoon, I love the way you wear your hat. I love the way you hit your pants. Rocky Raccoon, I dig you. He said, Mrs. I dig you too. Come with me. Take eight of Rocky Raccoon with an improvised coda at the end of the recording. Take nine would become the master take with tack piano overdubbed at half speed to give it that western saloon feel, a touch of harmonium, and backing vocals from Paul, John and George. The song was given a quick mono remix and marked as complete. Somewhere in the black mining hills of Dakota There lived a young boy named Rocky Raccoon uh, One day his woman ran off with another guy Hit young Rocky in the eye Rocky didn't like that He said, I want to get that boy So one day he walked into town Booked himself a room in the local saloon Rocky Raccoon Checked into his Rocky burst in and bring 
said, Rocky, you made your match. And Rocky said, Doc, it's only a scratch. And I'll be better, I'll be better, Doc, as soon as I am able. And now Rocky Rockin', he fell back in his room. Only to find Gideon's Bible. Well, that's it for this episode. Next time, the Beatles record an eclectic mix of songs in a range of styles as the White Album sessions continue. Until next time, 